as the Oklahoma State down and dirty lineman camp kicks off. Hey, Memphis, I think uh, maybe you should come on down too. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We are available on every single podcasting platform out there, as well as visually on YouTube. You can find me personally at Aldeo State on Twitter. Today, we were brought to you by Bird Dogs, the bee's knees of all clothing out there at the moment. So. The Down and Dirty camp at Oklahoma State has kicked off. And we've got some legacy to talk about that really kind of took the show there. But we've also got to have a conversation about the Edmund Santa Fe pipeline and what the likelihood of it is that we continue to increase that foothold. But briefly, you've probably been seeing everything revolving the ESPN potentially being bought out by Apple deal. And if that has an implication in the conference realignment game, as of now, no, right? Because it's all pretty much just conjecture at this point in time. But even if it is, like, I get it. Disney is not doing very well right now. So I completely understand why ESPN would potentially be looking into, I don't know, allocating more money for themselves. It makes sense, right? And it's not like if they were to buy it out, that that automatically means, guess that ESPN and everything that comes with it would be going streaming. Again, I don't even know if it's necessarily going to happen. It's a conversation taking place. They did it to themselves. So it is what it is, right? But regardless of what happens there, the realignment talk is not going to slow down anytime soon. And we've had discussions, plenty of discussions, about the Pac-12 teams that seem to be likely inevitable to end up joining the Big 12 at some point in time. But not a lot has been brought up about Memphis. I, I have asked about Memphis quite a few times because when this originally was presented after the OU and Texas debacle, I legitimately thought Memphis had a better a better standing in the college football world landscape than Houston did. I understand that the, the hotbed of recruiting that Houston is in can be pretty important, but I also know that Memphis has had more success, especially over the last decade. Houston's had years where they pop up and they're good, but Memphis is always pretty daggone good. They've put some players in the NFL. They've had some big time draft picks over the last few seasons. They've kind of built some clout. So again, I thought that they would be a logical choice over Houston. But, of course, the Fertitta money is real. And when you got that kind of donor base and you got that kind of donor willing to throw Boone Pickens' money at something, I get it. It makes sense, right? And the recruiting hotbed that they're in, they should be pretty good at some point in time in their time in the conference, right? But Memphis made a lot of sense to me. Memphis would probably have to do a lot of upgrades. I think they obviously know that. So if there's this conversation happen currently about Memphis potentially joining the Big 12, I'm fine with it because the schools that have already had the opportunity seem to be kicking the can down the road along with the Pac-12, and Brett Yormark doesn't need to wait, nor should he wait. If you can strike while the iron's hot, then absolutely do it because in Brett Yormark we trust. I know I just fumbled there. Words are hard for me. I'm so sorry. But I really like 
the direction that the realignment's going. If it's UConn for basketball, cool. If it's UConn for all sports, cool. If it's Gonzaga for basketball, cool. If we can get them for baseball too, I'm all for it. I would still prefer the four corner schools. I would still prefer the four corner schools and maybe even a couple ACC schools. But I completely understand. This is about longevity. This is about future security. And that's part of this conversation that I don't think it's talked about enough. And in this future security, waiting does not behoove anybody. Right? We've already seen that if you jump the line, you're probably going to be in a better spot. The ACC is not in a position to necessarily do so. In the Pac-12, they're just they're they're clinging on to every semblance of a life raft that they can find. And I get it. I didn't want the Big 12 to fold either. And I don't necessarily think that anybody wants to be the reason the Pac-12 folds. But, again, the sanctimonious way in which they act really leads most of us to not really give a hoot whether they survive or not. It is what it is. If you act like you're better than everybody 24-7, karma can easily come around and kick you right square in the jaw. That's what's happening. Sign me up for it. It is what it is. I would still love to get San Diego State. I would take SDSU over Memphis. But once again, I, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with Brett Yormark making moves for the future security of the Big 12, right? And people are going to be like, well, we're going to miss out on, you know, the, some of the four corner schools. And those are, you know, big-time Power 5 schools that come from a, a formerly well-renowned conference, right? It would help. Yeah, it would. But I don't want to wait. And I don't think Brett Yormark really wants to wait either because it's unnecessary. We already have the seat at the table as the number three conference right now. If we didn't add anybody. But to further solidify our spot as that number three, we are going to add people. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time now. So when is the timing? And how long does Brett Yormark make me uh, wait? See, there I go. <laughs> before he decides to make that decision. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the Pac-12 keeps doing themselves a disservice by continuing to play this, we're going to survive game. It's cute. I dig it. I like it. I get it. But um, yeah, it's unnecessary. So if it's Memphis, okay. If it's UConn and all sports, they have a real coach now. They have a donor base and the ability to kind of get behind some things. It gives some of the Eastern schools a better travel partner. Sign me up. Some move is about to happen that will cause these other teams to speed up their decision-making process. And it, it, it depends on what domino that is. What domino falls next to make everything else start to, to fall with it? I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know. If you haven't got your hands on some bird dogs yet, I promise you're missing out. This uh, this this previous weekend, I was able to go back to God's country, Stillwater, America, for a few days. And I legitimately, right, I hopped in them, I swam in them, I walked in them, I played baseball in them, I coached pitching lessons in them, I drove in them, like way more hours than physically possibly should have, but it was all because of the comfort of my bird dogs. Legitimately, the boxers that are built in are amazing. The fact that they, they clean so well and you can do anything in them and they don't fade. They don't, they don't get all wonky looking. 
They stay crisp. They stay clean. They feel nice. You don't even want to take them off. So get yourself hooked up on this opportunity with bird dogs as soon as physically possible. Um, they're almost, they do the same thing as like the Lululemon type of thing, but they fit way better. They feel way better. They're not stiff, you know, like a, a normal khaki. They don't have restricting cotton anywhere built into them. And you can get your hands on some right now, which also gets you the free Yeti style tumbler. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. Enter the promo code locked on college, all one word, for the free Yeti style tumbler with the order that suits you the best. So, again, that is birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You do not want to take your bird dogs off 100%. That is accurate. Um, I'm rocking my, 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 gray pair right now that matches uh matches my shirt so <laughs> go to birddogs.com slash locked on college promo code locked on college being one word and get yourself squared away today all right so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get off the realignment type of conversation here for a second and we'll jump into a little bit of the down and dirty camp there are some guys that definitely are, are going to spark the interest of a considerable amount of people We've got an offensive lineman from Jinx that we're very interested in, um, and he did perform well, but some of the other guys really stole the show here, right? And one of those that we're definitely going to have to talk about is going to be Reese Satterwhite. I love this kid. I love what he's able to bring, and I love the fact that his dad, Stacy Satterwhite, was an all-big eight defensive tackle for Oklahoma State, went on and played for the Denver Broncos in the NFL, and now his son is a man, man, man amongst boys. So much so that we had to bump him up so he could go against guys a couple years older than him. And he still showed up and showed out. A six measured out like six two and a half, almost six three, uh, right around that that range that you kind of need for that spot and you know when you know you can get up to that 230 240 type of range it's going to give you more of a platform to work for when you go through the body by glass system right now he's a young cat right so we got a lot of time to see him develop but hopefully him being a legacy and hopefully him already doing some big things right here right now is going to be massively beneficial to our opportunities to get him in a cowboy uniform um, you know, somebody else that really excelled was, in my opinion, somebody like a Jack Tanner, right? Somebody that I think everybody needs to keep an eye on, regardless of, you know, how it shapes out. Because, again, I, I, I love... Whenever you look at what Reese Satterfield is able to do, play, played both sides of the ball this last season. Um, he's one of the top in the class in all of Oklahoma powerlifting. He, he's already thrown up 315 on the bench coming into his sophomore season in high school. He's already uh, squatting like 480. He's got like a 280 power clean and like a 500-some-odd pound deadlift. And he ran a 4940. So to be six. Three and a half, almost six four, whatever, 220, 230 pounds, run a four nine, have a like a nine seven broad jump, a four eight seven forty. Um 
I think I, th- I think I like the, the chances here. I like the chances of us getting him. I like the, the chances to see what he's going to be able to offer. Because I, I, I think that he wouldn't be here if we weren't up there. And then I want to jump to somebody that's a little bit, so almost the same size, 6'4", 230, could play both sides of the ball. I think we're going to um, target him for defensive end. And that's Burgeon Kaiser out of, you guessed it, Edmund Santa Fe. We've had this pipeline through Edmund Santa Fe for quite some time now. And I think he couldn't be the next one in line. Now, the beauty of this to me is a multi-sport athlete who does very, very well in the, in the field side of the track and field game. His first step off the defensive line seems to be, I don't know, a little bit slow, like he's second guessing it. But, Obviously, the track and field analysis comes in, and that type of 40 and that type of athleticism, it's just kind of a, a blank canvas that you know that can we can work with, right? And and the benefit for us is, guys, right now, the only schools really going after them hard are like Army, Navy, Air Force, Sam Houston State, places like that. So you know we're, we're up there as far as places that he should potentially go. And he is underrated, well, not rated, really. Um, 2024 class reminds me a little bit on film of, of Brock Martin. Now, Brock Martin, obviously very explosive, played with a lot of tenacity. And I think Burgeon Kaiser does the same thing, but he's going to take some time, right? He could also play the other side of the ball, right? He could play tight end if need be. The size is there. The, the speed is there. Needs to work on strength. Probably needs to work on leverage a little bit. That first step. The first step is the only thing I saw that was kind of bothersome for me. But he's good at disengaging off of the offensive lineman. He's good about manipulating the offensive lineman and getting him where he needs to go so he can have an opening. He's got some good moves. And he he doesn't stop. He tracks the ball really well. So he has a lot of opportunities to make things happen in in the turnover department because he surprisingly sneaks up on, on dudes from behind, right? So if you're a quarterback and you're banging outside and you're trying to cut back in, he's a dude you got to be ready for. And if you're not ready for him, he will absolutely lay the wood and hammer you down. So I like it. I think it puts us in a very good spot. I think that some of these guys that we're looking at right now at this camp are not only going to be in the mix for Oklahoma State in the very near future. But I think some of them could easily carve out, you know, a a starting role. Don't know how long it's going to take, but a multi-sport guy that is a legacy that you already know is better than what his age indicates or what the rankings do or do not say when you have to bump him up multiple age groups because he's just too much to handle. That is a good thing. And you, you hope that his dad can kind of help coax him in here, right? When he was winning a lot of reps against older dudes. He's got a phenomenal spin move. And the more opportunities he gets, the more scholarships he's going to get headed his way. So it's good to get in early. It's good that obviously we have, you know, some assistance there. And I know defensive end is something that everybody's absolutely paying attention to, as is offensive line. And like I said, the G- the Jinx offensive tackle, uh, Landon Zalvadir, he performed well. He did. 
He just didn't perform as well as some of the other guys. And we've already talked about the the Tulsa Noah defensive end, Daniel Okoye. He looks good. So he's another one that we should absolutely be very, very, very high on his list. And in another video as well, we also talked about Puasa Utu. <clears throat> Playing out of position, in my opinion, in high school. So I would assume that we're going to bring him into Oklahoma State University to likely play linebacker. But you never know. You could beef him up a little bit. Again, that's another Benny Tonga uh, connection right there. The Polynesian flavor in Stillwater, Oklahoma, has been remarkable recently. I think it's going to do nothing but get even better. I do actually think BYU being in the conference will be beneficial to us. But hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can get a couple commits in here. I think Landon Zalvadier would be somebody that could potentially commit pretty soon. Um, I also think Virgin Kaiser could definitely be somebody that does the same. Naturally, when you're not getting overly recruited, you kind of want to you know, test the waters and get as many opportunities and offers as you can physically possibly get. So it may not necessarily be a really, really quick thing, but I know a lot of people have asked between the defensive line, offensive line, what, what, what do we seem to have cooking here? And this is Charlie Dickey's wheelhouse, right? This is the type of system that he's comfortable with. This is the type of system he's been running forever and a day, dating back to his time in Manhattan. So it's all about the right kind of attitude. When you get guys with the right kind of attitude, the right kind of toughness, the right kind of, um, I guess, playing aggressively, almost angrily, you can body by glass them through a lot of things. But you got to have some big-time guys every now and again to build around. And I do think Coach Dickey is putting us in a position to do that. I do think the wait-and-see approach, especially at that position, is part of the equation here for this coming season. People want to see our O-line do good. People want to see our O-line finally exude the two deep that we've been talking about. People want to see our O-linemen open up enough holes for our running backs to rush for 4.5, 4.6 yards of carry. If that all happens, again, more doors are going to open. This is a wait-and-see type of season. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, we are already getting some really, really good commits, but that's just because they're bought in entirely to what Nardo is doing and what Gundy's doing and the Cowboy culture has been reinvigorated. Can we get the same out of the line? I think so. I don't want to wait too long. Kind of like uh, the, the Memphis deal. Stop dragging your feet. If you're in the Pac-12, if I'm you... I don't continue to wait much longer because this is about future security of a conference and future security of positioning yourself properly to be part of the the big split that I think is going to come someday. The mega conference idea is a pretty good one. 40 teams, there's not enough meat on the bone for everybody to make money. 60 teams, yeah, okay, now you're talking. Now you're talking enough teams that are worth the squeeze that everybody can kind of rally around. And if you're not part of that top 60, 65 club, you should be putting yourself in a position to be. But the Pac-12, over half the Pac-12, as it sits right now, will never be in that position. Here's what it is. It, it is nice being in the proverbial driver's seat now, as opposed to the outside looking in, crossing our fingers, hoping and praying. But the uh, big difference you see is 
we don't have a lot of Big 12 media guys, or we didn't even then when OU and Texas were kind of, you know, thiefing in the night, leaving us. Not that that should be unexpected. That's OU's cup of tea. That's how they got started. They're very proud of it. They've been this way since 1898. It ain't going to change anytime soon. Texas is just a bunch of overprivileged divas that run around thinking that their boo-boo smells like roses. I do think they're actually going to be pretty good this year. I do think our schedule sets us up that we could possibly play them. But again, the big one right now out there for me is Jonathan Agumadu. Um, I, I think I think I'd put Gunnar Wilson in there. I do like the the, the offer to Puoso Utu. I think he's going to be a good one. I do think he'll probably be a linebacker at Oklahoma State as opposed to a defensive end. But I think we get him. And I really, really, really like his film for how undersized he is. It's very impressive. So I'd say he's under-recruited. It's a different time. Oklahoma State, in the recruiting game right now, carries a different stick than some years in the past. So will this make it year? Prove where we where we stand? I think so. Stop letting people tell you that We'll barely win seven. It's ridiculous. We are getting better at recruiting. Regardless of what the number is. So, if you don't like the number that we're recruiting at right now, don't stress. Don't stress at all. It'll get better. All right, y'all. Oh, I just got a text message. Hold on. Hold on. Somebody's got an official visit. Ah, Gunnar Wilson is headed to Stillwater tomorrow. Could it be commitment time? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait till tomorrow. All right, y'all. <laughs> As always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. And thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. All right, y'all. Later.